Series 1 of a Rugby League Hub Vodcast here uh, in Sydney. Jimmy Smith in my Salford City Reds home jersey of the 2000 season. Well done, Martin Offia posted on Facebook the other day a, a try that he scored in a match against Warrington in that one. So well done, Martin, on that one. In the UK, our man in London, Steve Mascord. And I think he's sporting... A, what are you sporting in the way of Rugby League merchandise, Stephen? Good, uh, good afternoon well, to you. Hey guys, how are you? Um, if you caught the episode uh, last uh, last week, I warned that I wasn't shaving, and now I'm even looking more like Billy Gibbons from uh, ZZ Top. Great documentary on Netflix. If you get the chance to watch it, and I'm just uh, I'm just wearing a t- I'm wearing a Frankie's t-shirt actually. Uh, Frankie's great place in Sydney. If uh, if you gave me the opportunity, if they, you know, there's been one of those memes. Um, if you could go to one bar, if one pub was open, if you go to one bar, that would be the place I'd go, Jimmy. So, uh, yeah, a bit weird. You're in the Rugby League merch, and I'm the one who's got a Rugby League merch company, but there you go. By the way, they're our sponsors of our vodcast, mascotbrowns.com. That's Browns as in B-R-O-W-N-Z.com, Mascot Browns. By the way, we've got a special for the viewers today, a Touchstones. Uh, the Steve Mascot story is three pounds off for UK listeners and viewers and five dollars off for australian listeners and viewers and uh, the code is wlf wlf so uh, i do have to set that up as soon as i get off the computer here jimmy so uh, you know so just give me give me a few moments but yeah um and i'm working on a second book of course so it's a bit topical it's taking up a lot of my time at the moment but you could write a book about what's happening in uh rugby league on both sides of the world at the moment to use an obvious segue so just while everyone else is watching The Last Dance on Netflix, Steve Mascot is watching a ZZ Top documentary. So that I am, pretty, much, I am. pretty much sums him up. Can you tell us about the £16 million <laughs> that the British government is going to give to the game of rugby league? Who gets it? And do you think it's enough? And is it something that's going to happen for all sports in the UK? Well, that's a lot of questions there, Jimmy. But certainly we've got to congratulate Ralph Freeman because he managed to make rugby league the very first sport uh, to get government funding. It's, as you said, £16 uh, million pound, uh, loan, emergency loan. And the statement uh, from the government was that rugby league, the very existence of uh, professional rugby league in this country was under threat unless that money was given. Uh, Ralph did a, um, a, uh, a, a, a media briefing yesterday uh, where, where he gave a little bit of a background. And obviously, it's interest-free but has to be repaid. We don't know uh, exactly when by. And a lot of the um, speculation around the place, Jimmy, is that the Super League clubs will get most of it because it's Super League that, excuse me, needs to survive uh, as the spearhead of the game in this country. So some of the lower division clubs, uh, you know, um, they might be a bit upset. Some of the amateur clubs, well, they already had the opportunity to apply for uh, funding through the Rugby League World Cup legacy program. So I don't think they're going to expect any of uh, this government money. But the thing that stuck out to me and and which we highlighted on on RugbyLeagueHub.com, which, of course... uh, a lot of people uh, watching and listening are new. RugbyLeagueHub.com is uh, our home, obviously. It's our name. And there's, um, there's a whole lot of uh, content going up there uh, every uh, day pretty much now. We're, we're, we're getting, getting busier and busier. But, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was about to say now. But, as, yeah, what, what we highlighted on uh, RugbyLeagueHub.com was that, you know, they said that the game could collapse uh, and that it, w- it was very important that um, this money was given. So uh, we have to congratulate uh, Ralph Rimmer. Just the same as you have to congratulate, I think, a few years ago, Nigel Wood, who secured all that funding uh, for the Rugby League World Cup um, because it, um, it has uh, been very important for the game in, in the UK. Okay, so 39 professional clubs in the UK. Do you expect all 39 to survive? How much of, how much of this £16 million 
uh, pounds will they get? And any further update, which we spoke about yes uh, last week about um, a re-coming together of Super League and the RFL? Um, there was certainly some talk in the comments um, uh, yesterday uh, when this funding was announced about a streamlining uh, of the administration. Uh, we actually had a press release which went out on, on embargo by Super League, quoting Robert Elston, the CEO of Super League, and then the RFL put out their own press release uh, at about midnight, uh, which was more from Ralph Rimmer's uh, perspective. So there's still a division there. There's no doubt uh, about that. As far as every club surviving, um, we're not, you know, the, I, I, the, the, now the Super League club's future would seem to be secure. Uh, John Wells, the head of uh, uh, football at uh, Castleford, said this will get the game back on behind closed doors. So that was his, he said it was just his opinion, no inside information, but he suggested that rugby league will be back behind closed doors at the top level. Uh, as far as the championship and league one is concerned, um, we haven't heard of any clubs falling over yet. Uh, here in London, it'll be very interesting uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, the, the owner and the uh, uh, chairman of London Scholars have departed since the lockdown started uh, and what's left of the board um, are, are working on, on keeping the club afloat. So, yes. uh, yeah, that, that, is the, that is the club, you know, that I've got the most doubt over, but uh, that's maybe because it's local for me. Neil Hudgel, uh, owner of Hull KR. Now, he's come out and said, yeah, games behind closed doors is a possibility. Now, explain it too, because... The business model is very different in the UK compared to the Australian clubs who rely most heavily on broadcast revenue. That's not the case in the UK. Um, no, it isn't. And also the next pay... So unlike in Australia where the broadcasters uh, didn't pay at the start of April uh, their instalment because there was no content, uh, Sky in this country and the money from Sky dribbles down uh, to, to the lower divisions and to the sport in general, they did pay around the same time. Uh, however, the next payment is due in uh, end of June, start of July, and we don't know whether that's going to be paid. Um, but in answer to your question, you're right, um, the uh, gate receipts are very important to clubs here. And from, if I go back to, from a merchandising uh, point of view, um, you can't buy um, stuff from Wigan or Huddersfield at the moment because all the staff are furloughed. They're not at work. So, so the clubs are shuttered. Uh, and uh, in order them, for them to open again, and to put on games behind closed doors, um, they need money. And that's, that's where uh, the, most of this money uh, will go. Yeah, okay. Um, we'll give update on, uh, get your thoughts on, I'm sure you've read about Latrell Mitchell and Josh Adokar and Nathan Cleary and the fines and suspensions and the refining of Nathan Cleary after further TikTok dance videos have been revealed. Uh, and, you know, there's an outcry of that. Gus Gould said they should have been banned for the rest of the year. Uh, and, and there's a lot of, I guess the feeling in the community is that, you know, how, how stupid are these rugby league players? So um, your take on that, we've had a couple of Brisbane Broncos players, Jack Bird and Darius Boyd also get together for a chat, which seemed to be outside of the, uh, the isolation regulations. Um, what was your take on that? Well, I, I thought um, Malcolm Knox wrote a great column about it in the Sydney Morning Herald and, um, Usually as a journal, and this is a funny situation, Jimmy, I used to interview you in the dressing rooms uh, all those years ago, and now I'm on a TV show and you're interviewing me. It's very weird, but, uh, but uh, thank you. For I digress. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm flattered that you, uh, you're interested in my opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, but Malcolm Knox made the point that uh, the NRL is um, indulging in exceptionalism in that um, it's saying we can play matches and we can... Um, fly players in 
from New Zealand and, 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 and if you and I, um, you know, got, um, you know, 20, uh, uh, 24 mates and went out to a park and tried to have a game of footy, uh, the cops would show up and they'd, they'd shut us down. So um, Malcolm Knox's argument was that these players are, we shouldn't be surprised because the NRL are saying that, that the rules don't apply to the NRL. So why should they apply to us? Yeah. And I, and actually, I think that's, I think it was a really good column. He, he wrote it in a, he's a novelist. So he wrote it in a way that was uh, different to the way I'd write it. Um, and, and, and when I stopped, when I finished reading and I went, that's a great point. Um, and it's a point that hadn't occurred to me. So, but if we're going to look at it in a micro sense rather than a macro sense, obviously the players are, are being irresponsible. It's hard to fathom that they would put themselves on social media. Um, uh, you know, doing, you know, do, breaking the law like that. Um, I just, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm completely mystified as to as to why they would do it, and and, and you know, it has endangered the NRL's chances of returning. Um, yeah. And as I said, Jimmy, on one hand, as a rugby league fan, I, you know, I'm proud of rugby league for being able to be as as I'm proud of the game in this country for being the first sport to get funding. You know, I'll be proud of the game in Australia for being the first sport back on the field. Yeah. And as, as just Joe Public, I still am asking the questions, why are they allowed to do it when no one else can? Why, why can these guys go and play in a park with, with, you know, 24 other guys and I can't? Yeah. Oh, my take on it was absolute stupidity from Latrell Mitchell and Josh Adokar uh, on a couple of levels. First, the fact the trip was planned. Um, so they would have known they were breaking these isolation rules. Secondly, they put it on social media. I note that Craig Bellamy has banned social media when they come back to training, um, uh, which is very Craig Bellamy of him. Uh, Nathan Cleary, the biggest issue I had with that was, look, he claims he didn't tell the NRL about the TikTok video because he wasn't asked about it, which is a bit of obfuscation, I would have thought, from Nathan. Like, let's just be honest, mate. You didn't tell him about it because you thought you were going to get away with it. Um, really good that Malmany... Lying. It's called lying by omission. Yeah, yes, that's home. right. There you go. Um, <laughs> really good that Malman Inger and Brad Fittler came out and said, you know what, you keep going... These types of things are a real distraction for us and we won't be interested in picking you for the New South Wales and or Australian sides in the future if you continue to do it. So... Um, that was the biggest concern for me with Nathan Cleary. Like, come on, Nathan, tell us the truth, mate. Um, I think he's made a bad situation much, much worse by the lack of transparency. What was it? Lying by omission? Yes, yes. Yeah, right. Um, now we've had the player revolt. Um, as much as Clint Newton, the Rugby League Players Association uh, CEO, said, look, it's not a player revolt. Um, again, players were being criticised left, right and centre, some from people with vested interests, others from just general public who would speak to me and say, I can't believe what these knuckleheads are doing. Now, um, Scott Sattler made a really good point, and that is the players are concerned about, you know, a biosecurity expert and all the, all the uh, regulations that they're going to have to follow and, and being made aware of those, and yet you've got three or four players who are out clearly transgressing against what's standard procedures for the general public at the moment. So I thought that was very interesting. I also thought it was fair for the players to get some sort of clarity and to get an outcome, which they have got, by the way, 80% of what they were going to be paid in season 2020 before going back to work. I think like there's not many people in the world today, Steve, that will say, I'm going to do a job for you and I want to get paid. How much are you going to pay me? And the employer says, oh, mate, we'll work that out a little bit later. And they go, yeah, okay, I'll come and work for you. It doesn't happen that way. So why should it happen that way for the rugby league players? I know, Jimmy, that's uh, it's a it, it's a bit of a leading question, but 
you didn't have to ask it in a leading fashion for me because I agree with you already. Um, you know, I, I think, I think um, you know, they were concerned that the Warriors were going to have to get on a plane and not know, if, you know, what they were getting paid when they got here. Uh, and in many ways, it was an act of solidarity for, for the Warriors. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think you should go back to work without knowing, you know, yeah. what you're going to be paid. And people, uh, people get uh, envious because what, what enters their mind is the, the figures that the players are on. So they're not actually um, being, um, thinking clear-headedly of the issue. They're starting to see dollar signs and they're starting to think about their own struggles and then they, then they judge based on that. So um, I, I think it's fair enough that the players um, needed to know how much they were being paid before they went back to work, 100%. Um, and I, I certainly had, didn't have steam coming out of my ears when, when I read the, about the, the, the player revolt at all because I could understand the context. What's interesting, and I did a bit of number crunching, and we, there was an article from Michael Chamis in the Sydney Morning Herald, of course, independent always, however, owned by Channel 9, broadcaster of the Rugby League. So um, Peter Volandis has given a, an assurance. Um, I think he's written it down somewhere too. Uh, the players accept it, that it's going, they're going to get that 80%. And there was... Uh, a figure in Michael's article today that suggested that, uh, that from the broadcast revenues, they'll probably go from 330 million down to about 250 million. So Fox have put their hand up and said, hey, we want a reduction on this as well. Um, that's down 80 million, which in my mind is 24% of the original 330 million. Now, you would think sponsorship and certainly ticket sales take out much more revenue for the NRL. So it's now going to get to a situation where the players are getting paid a greater percentage of total revenue than what their MOU would suggest they should get. So they've ended up in front. 100%, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and a lot of the reductions are going to have to happen at headquarters. Um, you know, a lot of people working for the NRL have been you know, sent on holiday leave and, and all this sort of stuff. And um, uh, there's obviously not going to be as many... I, I would think it's obvious anyway. Uh, maybe it's not, but... Um, there's not going to be as many people working at NRL headquarters in 2021 as, as there was at the start of 2020. So Peter Volandis has already said that the, the head office is going to absorb uh, a lot of these losses. In the space of a week, Anastasia Palaszczuk has gone from, we won't have origin, we won't have players leaving the state, and we certainly won't have rugby league in 2020, just saying all three Queensland teams can stay where they are. They can play in the competition. They can exit and enter the state whenever they need to. And by the way, we want two state of origin games in November. I think a trusted advisor, or certainly now a trusted advisor, has tapped her on the shoulder and said, uh, not only is it financially important for Queensland to get these games, but Anastasia, there's a lot of votes in this as well too. If you tell mm, yeah, yeah, people yeah. of Queensland you haven't got rugby league for a year, then uh, good luck at the next election, I would have thought. Yeah, I'll, I'll just echo, uh, echo what you're saying there. And obviously... Uh, you know, there was a lot of um, uh, delaying uh, whether the Warriors were going to be able to come uh, to, to, to Sydney. And, and now I believe that they're arriving uh, tomorrow or today, your time, uh, to uh, into Tamworth on a direct flight. That, yes. that old Auckland-Tamworth uh, direct, of course, so many times. And uh, it's funny, they said 30, <laughs> they didn't identify them as like, like a crime, uh, you know, uh, it was like 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 the police briefing. Thirty four foreign nationals will arrive in Tamworth. <laughs> yeah, my mother. My, my mother used to, my mother used to always say to me, "You never want to be a person of interest." <laughs> no, 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 no. Or or, or or you never want to be assisting police with their inquiries. 
<laughs> yeah, not all of them are foreign nationals, though, are they? So a lot of them are, uh, are Aussies and stuff as well. So I don't know what it's going to be like up in Tamworth. Um, um, I think is Tamworth the town where Schlossy's shoe happened? No, that was Dubbo, I think. No, that was Dubbo. Come uh, on, Tamworth. The great <laughs> Scully Park at Tamworth was the home Scully of Park. plenty of schoolboy knockouts um, there at Scully Park. And they've hosted the West Tigers in a game against Newcastle the last couple of years. It's a beautiful ground. Um, city country. I covered city country. I've, I've been, I've actually been to uh, Tamworth on footy trips quite a few times. Uh, there's that, there's that, there's that motel just out of town where the pool shaped like a guitar. Do you, do you know that one? I saw went there with the Steelers once. The Steelers stayed there once. John Jansen went for a long road run. Anyway. Uh, Steve Mascord will later be doing his <laughs> Towns of New South Wales travel series, which I'm sure is going to be a, a winner with everyone as well. Hey, breaking news here. Just getting a, an email through uh, from the IRL suggesting that Nigel Wood, to retire as Chief Executive, International Rugby League CEO, Nigel Wood will retire from his position at the end of the year. He's been a member of the Rugby League International Board for 18 years and has held the positions of Deputy Chair, Chair and uh, latterly CEO. Commenting on the decision, he said, it's been my privilege of my life to serve the cause of International Rugby League over the past 18 years. So, a bit of breaking news there, Stu. Yeah, um, a, bit of a, a bit of a shock there, uh, um, uh, Jimmy. Um, Interesting uh, that there's been changes to the board recently, um, you know, and, and um, when there are changes to a board and it's followed by the departure of a CEO, uh, you know, there, there's, there's often a lot of things at play. So, uh, you know, uh, it is possible that the, the, new, uh, the new directors want to go in a different direction. I think Nigel really enjoyed uh, that position. So I'm surprised to hear him say, you know, that he's, he's retiring. Um, also interesting, Jimmy, that um, the International Federation had a meeting, or International Rugby League as they are now, two days ago, and they put out a statement only yesterday in which Nigel Wood was identified still as the CEO. Um, so, again, uh, what could change between yesterday and today if they met on Thursday? Uh, that's, that's, that's a bit of a mystery. Yeah. Just a reminder, today's vodcast brought to you by mascotbrowns.com. That's M-A-S-C-O-R-D-B-R-O-W-N-Z. Mascotbrowns.com.au. And .com.au. And we've got a special for the listeners and the viewers today. Touchstones, the Steve Mascot story. Probably goes into detail about Tamworth and the guitar-shaped pool. Three pounds off for our UK viewers and listeners. Five dollars off for the Australian viewers and listeners, by the way, you do that by the code WLF, WLF. By the way, mate, we've got a question and answer segment now. Um, yeah. By the way, Jimmy, just not to, we shouldn't underestimate that too, um, you know, for our audience particularly. I think a lot of our audience are, um, um, are, are big on international rugby league. Um, the fact that the CEO has stood down is basically the number one in any in any fair income sport, it's the number one uh, job in the whole game. Um, and for, for, for our, a lot of our viewers, it is. Um, so um, it, it's, it's massive news. I just is it significant? What are we, 18 months out, maybe less? 18 months out from a... Well, 16 months out from a, a World Cup that was on target to be, I think, the most successful one financially, um, given all the support that Nigel was able to garner, as you mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah, um, I don't think it has a massive impact because the World Cup under John Dutton is a self-contained organisation. So, ah, right. Uh, you know, um, um, Nigel go, would go and meet um, John regularly when we were allowed to do that sort of thing. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that 
you know, Nigel Wood and the International Federation are not running the World Cup. Uh, it's being run uh, by the World Cup itself and the funding went to the World Cup. And that's an interesting aspect of the uh, funding that the British game has got in the last 48 hours is it's tied to the World Cup being here next year. Um, and there were some concerns expressed that it might even come out of the World Cup's funding. You know, I, 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 I don't know whether that, that there is a, a relationship between the money um, because I know that a lot of the money hasn't been spent yet for the World Cup. Um, so, How much did they get for the World Cup? Uh, all up, uh, they got $10 million in legacy funding and then they got, I think, another another $15 million for the World Cup itself. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite, quite significant, quite significant. Did that, was that reduced once Harry left, went to Canada, Prince Harry? <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. After he did the, after he did the draw, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so um, it, whether there's some, I mean, there's a link being made, an ideological, uh, idealistic link between the two, but whether there's a financial link between the actual figures and whether the money has to be repaid before the World Cup, for instance, and then we'll go into the World Cup, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's such a huge amount of money, 15 million, that you would hope that there's no connection there at all. You would really hope there's no connection at all. Well, you certainly wouldn't be able to make us money to repay it within 15 months, 16 months. So no. uh, I agree with you. Let's hope they're te- two separate pools that they're coming for. Right. Question time here on Rugby League Hub Vodcast. By the way, brought to you by mascotbrowns.com.au as well. Gavin on Twitter. And if you want to get involved in the conversations, at leaguehub.com, at leaguehub.com. Uh, g'day, guys. Uh, listen to the first one. Thanks very much. I'm sure you'll discuss... Nine's latest claim in the negotiations with the NRL, read the digital department. My opinion, no, 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 in the words of the great Gus Gould. Um, We've got another one in from Ben Costello, who is asking something very similar. What do you think of the report in the Sydney Morning Hill today that Nine wants to take over NRL digital? Why doesn't there seem to be the same opposition to the AFL and cricket in-house digital capability from their broadcast rights holders. That's coming in from Ben Costello. Away to you, Steve, first up. Yeah, Jimmy. Well, um, my, um, uh, my personal Twitter account was... Uh, um, uh, I was locked out of it about 40 days ago at the start of this, and life has been a blessing since uh, <laughs> because uh, it just takes up so much time. But when I read that story by Michael Chambers, I just couldn't help myself. That's what I hate about a personal Twitter account is that it's like... It's just like your partner it's like you know something that your partner doesn't want to talk about you can talk to twitter about and uh and and so i read the um i read the story and i was just outraged i mean the number one thing is if channel nine are saying that they may not be able to afford to bid for the for the nrl rights next round unless unless they shut down nrl.com that proves that nrl.com is doing its job because but it was put there because te- because traditional sports rights media is dying, and that the and that you'll, you'll never get the amount of money uh, for the next rights deal as you got the last one. That it'll be decreasing. And Jimmy, you're you're a numbers cruncher in this area, um, much to a greater extent than I am. So basically, Channel 9's statement justifies the existence of NRL.com. So, so if what you- you're saying is, yeah, NRL. Sorry, mate. I mean, yeah, it, it, it was put. It, it, yeah. Sorry, mate. If you if Depending on who you talk to, the NRL.com is worth anywhere from fifty million to a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. And they used to—they used to uh, the critics of it, who, who their, their motivations are a hundred percent 
commercial, right? News yes. Limited and, and Nine do not want a competitor in that space. And yes, there is a journalistic ethics argument about having independent coverage of the NRL, okay? Um, and, and there should always be independent coverage of the NRL. You should always be able to uh, uh, buy uh, and read a story by a journalist who isn't employed by the NRL. Right? But that is not the, uh, the argument. The argument is that they stream games on there and, and, they, and it's not behind a paywall. So news, news' content is behind a paywall. They have high standard uh, uh, journalism, uh, big names, and uh, they give it away. So, of course, uh, news don't like it. And, of course, Nine don't like someone else streaming games because they're in opposition. But it's 100% commercial, the argument against it. There is okay, no okay, other okay. What logical about, argument against it. What about AFL and cricket? Why don't, why don't they have the, the same thing? I've got my own thoughts. Well, we got, well because Sydney is so tribal. Sydney is a, is a, is a viper's nest and uh, it's a convict town. It's full of bullies. And basically, um, this is just classic Sydney bullying. That's my answer to it. So Hugh Marks has come out by those statements has said indirectly that the uh, NRL.com is worth closer to $1 billion than $50 million um, if he wants to take it over. They do have a co-production there with Fairfax, you might remember, called Stan. Now, Stan was started in 2013. And I know this was a couple of years ago, but the expectations were that Stan was a billion dollar company. And this was for Fairfax, which at that time were about a $110 million company that had been around for 160 years. And Channel 9, um, I think it was outstripping the value of Channel 9. Now, all that might have changed with different output deals and so forth. But can you imagine Rugby League on Stan, all of a sudden it becomes uh, a go-to streaming platform as well for Australians, certainly on the East Coast. So there's a big play from Hugh Marks from that point of view, and I, I understand that one. But it just underscores what you say. There is value in NRL.com because Channel 9 either want to take it over or shut it down, a little bit similar to News Limited. And the reason Channel 7 probably have uh, a put, putting up with the AFL is because they don't have that streaming service. That, you know, otherwise, that would be perfect to, to go under their umbrella as well. I know KO is something that's been launched by News Limited and in many ways it competes against Fox, but I think they see that um, as the way of the future. And, um, you know, for 25 bucks a month, you're able to get access to, I think it's 53 different sports. And, you know, I'm a subscriber to KO, as, uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit biased from that point of view. But um, it, it's, I <laughs> to get all, you know... Um, philosophical on you but it's the future steve and in many ways that's why a couple of blokes from sydney started up rugby league hub.com i'm from wollongong jimmy but yeah Sorry, uh, <laughs> but um i was gonna say um and, and i just want you would be able to answer this question um jimmy probably well placed to answer it is there a commercial model under which nrl.com uh, nrl digital can be just put in mothballs as an independent uh, um, platform, so we can, so the game can take Channel Nine's money for a year or two, and then when the deal expires and NRL wants to be an over-the-top platform again, they just they just open it back up again. Yeah, I think take absolutely. Back. absolutely. There's there's a million ways to cut that deal, isn't there? To scale back what you what you provide, and and the other thing around that with Channel Nine was, you know, who gets the international rights to rugby league? Because right now they're held by Fox, who on sell them, right? So when 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 someone anywhere on the planet can access it, no matter you know, via a website, um, and you can do that now with NRL.com, 
you know, again, that's just someone that Channel 9 wants to get their eyeballs and get their credit card details so they can make some money off it. You've got to remember, you know, Qmarks is beholden to um, one entity and that's his shareholders. So he's out there to make money. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, but as you say, if, if Channel 9 walk in and say, well, we won't be able to pay for the regular league rights moving forward because of that, you say, no worries. Good luck. We'll go and find another one. And, and you know what? We might even do it ourselves. I don't think yeah, that's exactly. the best outcome, but, you know, I think... Not it's- yet. Not yet it isn't, Jimmy, but that's the slippery slope we're on, isn't it? You know, and that's why that digital operation is there. And I just wonder if there's a bit of... I mean, it's easy. One thing I've learned, Jimmy, in doing what we've been doing over the last few months is that um, my whole throw the baby out with a bathwater approach to a lot of things, um, you know, it doesn't really wash in, 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 in business. And you've got, to, you've got to compromise and sometimes you've got to be... Um, uh, you know, your mouth has got to be a bit softer than your head as well when you're talking. You know, when you're talking about these things, when there's money involved and shareholders and whatever. So, I just wonder if there's a way um, that um, the game can have its cake and eat it too, and maybe say, well, you know, if you want for one year or two years, uh, you want an exclusive game a week, or you want to um, run the digital uh, like Telstra used to do. You want to run the digital network for a year. Uh, if it if it gives us enough money to tide us over to the next period of um, this industry's evolution, then then maybe the game could do that and 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 not be you know as bullish as we as kind of rugby league fans without any skin in the game would sometimes like them to be. Yeah, and look at Amazon, what they did with the Premier League, and and they they literally streamed a couple of games just to introduce UK audiences to to them. Um, and they've doubled down on their NFL Thursday night broadcast as well, paid more money for it, wanted more of them, um, didn't quite get the exclusivity that they were looking for. But as we say, those, those uh, I think they call it the flywheel, those, those organisations that have something else to sell other than just the game, um, they're, they're really well positioned and there's, there's more and more of them. Uh, so there you go, Ben and Gav, hope we've answered your question as best we could. By the way, talking about us over the last couple of months, I don't know what, you've been doing besides growing a beard, but I'm just been hanging out at home with the kids and doing some homeschooling. Who'd, who'd have thought year three maths could be so difficult, Steve? <laughs> I've very, been, uh, very challenging. Jimmy, I, I'm taking that as a, um, as a, as a, just a softball to uh, promote my second book. Is that what, is that what oh, was intended? Okay. <laughs> so, is there a business we haven't promoted of yours? Rugby, rugby league hub, mascot Browns. What's the new, what's the new book? Um, it's going, it's about the, uh, it's basically, uh, takes up where, uh, Mike Coleman's Super League War finishes. Um, and it's about the, the, the final, the end of the war. So it's about the year when we had two comps and, uh, and the formation, the day the NRL was formed. It's very interesting that the NRL doesn't really have an origin story. I'm not talking about origin with a capital O there, but you know, um, we don't really talk much about who created the NRL, the circumstances that were created. And we certainly don't uh, like talking about 1997 at all, do we? I mean, everyone just likes to, they, they remember Andrew Johns, uh, you know, um, Bung Lung, uh, you know, that's about it from 97 and we try to forget everything else. So um, yeah. I'm trying to, trying to make 1997 a digestible uh, year for the game and, and maybe we can all come to terms with it. So have you got a favourite memory from 1997, Jimmy? Uh, I was playing with the Western Suburbs Magpies, in fact, mostly off-field, would you believe, um, <laughs> with Tom Radonikas as our coach. So um, uh, we were, you know what, actually, we had to play the last game against the Crushers up at um, the old Lang Park. 
They let people in for free, didn't they? they let well, I, I don't know, but we, we ran it. So we were on the plane. All we had to do was win and we were in the semifinals. The Gold Coast charges were at the races on the Gold Coast because they'd run eighth. It was a top seven. They'd run eighth. So they thought. So anyway, we get out there. The crushers were last on the comp and we went out there. Mine's elsewhere. We, we stood at the start of the game and they something over the PA system. Everyone's looking at each other going, what's going on? We had a minute silence for Lady Diana. Ooh. Yeah, so we, we didn't know what was going on. Soundly beaten by the crushers. And the charges were at the, at the races, as I mentioned. Come at the end of race about five, they all stopped drinking because they realised they had a semi-final to play, I think it was, against Illawarra. The Steelers. I went yeah. to that game. Yeah. At Parramatta Stadium. Fairfax was on strike. Fairfax was on strike. Um, and I, I went and I, was, not, you know, I wasn't supposed to be there. But, you know, being a mad Steelers fan, I, I, I had to go. So uh, <laughs> well, I stood in the Mick Cronin bar and um, I got in with my press pass, stood in the Mick Cronin bar and watched the game and um, uh, still lost. And then, uh, then I you know, went, went into town anyway. So. Very good. Very good. All right. Today's vodcast, we have a creation story. It's um, brought to you <laughs> by mascotbrowns.com and .com.au. And remember, there's a book that's available at the moment, Touchstones. Three pounds off for our UK listeners and viewers, $5 off for the Australian listeners and viewers, and you've got to type in the code WLF. Great job, Stephen. We'll speak to you shortly. That was awesome. That was great, Jimmy. Talk to you next week.